Welcome to WB Tank Live, Episode 66. Today's special guest is Rebecca Gills, founder of Web Savvy Marketing, who right now is somewhere in her bunker in Michigan. Today's topic will be covering SEO and website optimization. Jonathan, go ahead and introduce the panel, and let's start the show. Well, thanks, Rebecca, for joining us. We've been looking forward to this um, madness, our monthly show. So would you like to introduce yourself again, Rebecca, and then I'll introduce our normal panel. Sure. Hello, everybody. I'm Rebecca Gill. I'm the founder of Web Savvy Marketing, which is a custom design firm in Michigan. And they made jokes about me being in a bunker, and that's because I kind of split my time between two places in Michigan, so you just never know which one I'm going to be at. It's the secret bunker. It's the secret bunker, Rebecca, the control center of your empire. Um, So, Sally, like to introduce yourself. Certainly. My name is Sally Getch. Uh, my business is WP Fangirl, which is WordPress Consulting, and I'm the organizer of the East Bay Meetup Group, which meets in Oakland, California. Not to be confused with Oakley, California, which is where I live. Oh, thank you for clarifying that. That's really very good, Sally. Thank you. Um, Adam, like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Adam Silver. I run the South Bay WordPress Meetup in Southern California. I... Uh, I have a website over at Kitchen Sink WP where I do a weekly podcast and I do other WordPress stuff. Yeah, I like to say, Adam, you know, you and your team at uh, WordCamp uh, Los Angeles, you did a fantastic job, and me and Bill really enjoyed it. And Thank you. Thanks to all your hard work, and do tell your team that we appreciate it. I was, I was one of five, and it was a team effort. It was we worked fairly well this year. It was excellent. We really enjoyed it, and thanks, Adam. Thanks. Um, John, like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. I'm John Locke, and my business is Lockdown Design, and uh, that runs out of Sacramento, California. Uh, you getting ready for um, Sacramento WordCamp, John? You getting yep, yourself pumped uh, up? Come on, yeah, come I'm stop. pumped up, come definitely. Up there, John. Yeah, first one. <laughs> right. So that's the wizard said I had to liven up because I've been a bit ill. You actually are you're doing really well. I put up two weeks of this. In fact, we have to redo an hour's worth of podcast because he was on medication. Yes. <laughs> well, that that might have been interesting, but probably not what you wanted. Uh, yeah, it'd be under the comedy hour, I think. <clears throat> I was at my best. I was totally drugged up. So let's let's start. Um, so we're going to start with SEO and Google Analytics, and um, the famous Yoast. Did a, a word camp TV presentation that was fascinating. So, Rebecca, how do you see the world of SEO changing, um, and how any advice about people trying to get a better ranking in the new world we're facing recently? I think um, you know one of the things that Yoast touched on and was focused on was that the world that we knew of SEO from five years ago or even ten years ago is really different than what it is today. Um, gaming the system and all of the um, type of manipulation that people used to get away with and, and used to be successful with is gone and it's becoming more and more prevalent to get those manual penalties and to get um, just you know, downgraded by Google because you know the bottom line with SEO and it always has been is do the right thing. You know, focus on the user, produce solid content, 
Uh, and Google and, and Bing are getting so much more sophisticated with their ability to be able to ferret out who is doing the right thing versus who's not. You know, and that was that was something in your talk is um, you know, it, it and it's 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 a building the foundation and it's having those touch points and it's you know focusing on UX. All of those things go together with you know the the content marketing to create a really solid SEO strategy as opposed to just trying to chase inbound links and link juice. You know that there's that craziness of five years ago just no longer exists. And if you're going to really compete with SEO moving forward. You have to think of a holistic approach. You need to start building a foundation and do keyword research and and you know write solid content and be on social media. Um, you know it's it's a it's a spider web of activity as opposed to some quick hits that people used to focus on years ago. Yeah, thanks. What about you, Adam? You know, when you're consulting and um, obviously clients bring this up, what do you say? Well, I do two things. One, I say talk to Rebecca. <laughs> or, or I say, just use a lot of white text on a white background. We're in agreement. people ask for that kind of stuff? I'm and totally can we just throw meta oh, yeah. keywords in there oh, and call oh, it good? Yes. Put more keywords in. You have 12 words of text. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's not so, a condiment that you sprinkle on your website. So no. I, I, of course, I, just, I don't do that any, anymore. No, I don't do that ever. Um, but no, it's about doing the right thing. It's about having, mm -hmm. I always tell my students and my clients, you know, SEO is a moving target. There's never a one answer that does perfect. Um, but I also say that it's about providing good value content consistently. You know, that's the key, in my opinion. So, And there's ways to do that, but you just have to be out there. You have to be consistently in, in your niche, whatever your topic is, produce good content consistently, you know, and add value. With keyword focus. With keyword don't focus. Forget the, don't yeah. forget the keywords because right. that's the thing that a lot of people. Right. Uh, even even WordPress companies, Joy, because I've I've been doing work with other WordPress companies and doing consulting for them and for their clients. You know, both. Even the WordPress companies and the WordPress developers have the idea of okay, I'm going to pick four keywords and we're just going to scatter them across the website and hope that Google's going to pick up one of you know one of the pieces of content and rank us on it. That's not how SEO works. You know, there's a there's a strategy to it and a mapping out of your keyword strategy with site ar site architecture and Yost touched on it a little bit, but that is so core to the foundation. And he said that's basics, but it's a lot of basics that large companies, you know, enterprise companies miss. I mean, down to like us who are technical. So right. I mean, yeah, you gotta have the keywords, you know, as well. So but no, no more white text, and white background. That's no, uh, that's that'd be saying. bad. That's bad. That's me, that's me finished. What about you, Sally? What what do you say to your uh, clients when it gets to well, the, SEO? You know, the the thing that has not changed about SEO is that the key is be relevant. Uh, <laughs> and the th the thing is that you know the search engines have gotten better at figuring out what is really relevant and and the sort of semantic cloud around a, a, a keyword so that it's not just using that word but using words that are related to it that uh, you know that that helps people figure it out so they're you know they're harder to trick so you know the 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 thing that's different is um you know that the search engines are ranking you for things like site speed and mobile friendliness and you know things that that are, you might not think were directly relevant for uh, for search terms but uh, you know that these these things are are starting to matter in in search 
And, you know, the holistic approach is sort of like, well, you know, you don't just want, you want people to get to your site. If they get there from search, great, but you want them to get there. So if they're getting there from links and social media, from, you know, it's, it's like you, your, your Instagram campaign may not necessarily bring you, uh, you know, increase your, your page rank, but it might bring you a ton of traffic. Uh, and then, you know, once people have found you, if, if you are the right, if they are in the right place, they will come back, they will buy products from you, et, et cetera, and, and, and so on. So it's like, you know, you have to consider all of your marketing as, as a whole and you're, you know, considering your SEO that way as part of it. Yeah, what about you, John? What do you say to your clients when those magic words come up, SEO? Well, most of the clients that I run into, and especially if you're talking uh, smaller businesses, they think that SEO is something that you pay somebody to flip the SEO switch, and <laughs> all the traffic comes in, and then uh, if you and literally, I've had people say this to me, like it, it is not something like if you stop paying somebody, then you stop you know ranking. They don't get. Um, and even like people within the industry, I, I don't think that they get that it, it's a lot of um, Google is basically trying to match intent of the searcher <coughs> with the result. And what um, Yoast talked about was user experience, branding, um, m meaning that authorship that they you know kind of took away for a while. They're figuring out what is your site talk about like over and over? Sally touched on it a little bit when she said that they're better at matching synonyms. And they measure things, all the technical parts you have to have right. You have to have like the, the HTML structure right, the site speed, the mobile friendliness, all that stuff because they're trying to get better user experience but they're also trying to deliver better results. So what I tell a lot of people is you know, you have, like, all this information about your industry. You should, like, put it down in some form. Either write about it, um, you know, make a video um, or, you know, something. Like, put it on your site. And a lot of people shy away from that. They don't want to do that part of it. Or they don't want to be involved in that part of it. But that's really what's going to make you rank. A Being lot of known people for something. don't want to do the work involved. I, I had a... a client there, you know, an appliance repair company, they had, you know, maybe a thousand words of text for their entire website, and, you know, they wanted SEO, and it's like, you can't optimize something that isn't there. I said, you know what yeah. you want to do? You want to start a blog about appliances, and give tips, and use your, you know, keywords, and, and put lots and lots of content out there. It will differentiate you, and the search engines will love you. Well, they're a two-person company, and they're, they're not native speakers of English. This wasn't something they were going to take on. Um, but, you know, you have to have content to optimize. Totally. And, and i got to tell you, I actually just watched a video about appliance repair on, on a freezer icebox. It's amazing. Honestly, I just watched it like a month ago. <laughs> right. really. no, people who do that stuff are, are way ahead. Hi, Kim. Hi. Kim, Kim's not late to the show. I didn't send her the link. Sorry. <laughs> All right. That's great. Thanks. Well, I'd like Kim to introduce, would you like to introduce yourself, Kim? Hey, real fast, before Kim comes up, just FYI. We're going to redo the timeline. We're going to redo WP Tonic, I hope. We've got to look at it. Because she's featured next month. Next month is all about creating courses and online education. So she'll be the featured speaker next month on this same show. So, Kim, go do it. Okay. Hi. 
Um, I'm Kim. I have been in technology for over 20 years. I'm a tech instructor and writer by trade for most of those years. Now I focus on helping other people learn to build online courses because I've been doing that for many years and I took my master's degree in education, my years of building online courses and kind of merged them into helping people do that. So that's really my focus right now. I focus on WordPress. Uh, after finding it in 2012, I was late to the WordPress party. I started out in other CMSs, but uh, I really love it because it lets me teach everybody from beginners in their 20s to 70-plus-year-olds how to build websites uh, without learning a whole bunch of HTML and CSS. Oh, thank you, Kim. Other CMSs? Ooh. All right. <laughs> um, thanks, Kim. Um, Rebecca, what I was going to ask you, when you were starting to build up your theme shop and you were looking at getting traction, mm -hmm. can you remember back what were some of the key SEO um, factors that enabled you to start getting traction when it came to actual getting numbers to the website and converting them into actual um, paying clients for the theme shop? Can you give some insights sure. about it? I did a um, I did a WordCamp presentation on this, and it is in WordPress TV. If you're interested in theme sales or product sales, and I really talked through the whole process. I went through it's I think it's like a half hour long. I was from WordCamp Chicago 2014, but so basically when I first started the theme store, we launched four themes, and they didn't have any keyword focus, right? So I sold stuff, but I didn't sell a lot of stuff. Then it dawned on me to use what I know, and I know SEO really well, so what I started to do was everything that we would launch had an SEO purpose, right? Even if it wasn't designed for that, I crafted it into it. So all of our themes now are niche-based, whether they be for the accountant or the lawyer or you know some other niche out there. They're very focused on that, and what I would do is before we would even create the theme, and you know, get it into the store for sale. I would actually go and I have I would do research on all these different types of themes, and I found a sweet spot so that I knew if I the search volume was between you know one number and another number, um, and I would look to see what was already on Google for page one, and see if I you know could I did I know SEO better than these people? Did I have a better looking theme? And if all of those were yes, I'd go after it, and I knew that I could get back the development that I would pay for the theme within like two months because I could quickly get myself to page one of Google and that's how I sold and how I built up the theme store is having that niche and really focusing on that small business who didn't have the money for custom sites but had time available so that they would be the ones that would find and look for those stock themes um, and I, you know when how do you find those those niches I have a cottage up north um, in Michigan and it's a, in a really small town doesn't even have a fast food or like a McDonald's but all of those places have the accountant and the chiropractor and the dentist and the lawyer and the doctor. And so I focused on them. And then I would just go validate it in the AdWords tool by Google to see the search volumes. And that's truly how I did it. And, you know, we, we launched the store and we, we grew it quite a bit um, over the time. And it was all organic search. Oh, so the cottage is bunker two, then Rebecca. It is, yes, oh, but it's really it's two. really lost because it's up in northern Michigan. It, 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 it's controlled. It's control center too. Yeah, it? so yeah. Rebecca, where is it, Rebecca? And I just learned yeah, this last sorry. week. Yes, it's, it's okay. It's so it's up here. It's up in here. Okay. I'm no, down here, here right now, but it's up there. Yes. Oh, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's on the UP. It's not here. It's okay. 
interesting. Yes, no, um, not in the UP. There's nothing up there. We love you, UP. I'd like to um, put this to Sally. Um, Sally, um, I was listening to our old podcast with uh, Chris Lemmer, and he, he said he built up his uh, position by just outlogging other people. He said that he... Uh, he looked at the competition and to build up his credibility and in the community he decided to blog almost every day for a period of time and he blogged over a thousand words each article so would you do you think that's still a strategy um I, I think it's absolutely a strategy it's incredibly hard to keep up a regular blog posting schedule and if if you are coming out with something that is you know useful and, and substantial every single day people will start to notice uh, and you know again there you've got a thousand word blog post it's an opportunity to you know target the blog post around a specific <coughs> keyword or phrase and be found for that um, you know most people are I, I, I'm starting to become the go-to person for the events calendar um, because I've published four now and it will be five tutorials about customizing the events calendar and the modern tribe people put them in their um, knowledge base so people come to me from there and, and ask questions about it and then I have a whole new tutorial to write about how I fixed whatever it was um, and that's the thing is if you if you start to see you know so I have kind of an unintentional series on the topic of customizing the events calendar and you know, you, you, you keep that up, you, you get material for Google to say, oh, you know, this, this person keeps writing about this. We, we should maybe send people who are searching for that to her. Yeah. What do you think, Adam? I suppose it's a mixture of knowing what you're talking about. Is it a mixture of knowing what you're talking about and volume? Yes. <laughs> so we're talking all about just, just blogging here to get SEO? Well, it's like it's just a matter of like I mean, my po people always ask me how's the podcast doing, and I say it's doing great. I enjoy doing it every week. You know, and every Monday I put a podcast out on it. I'm week eighty. Next Monday will be eighty eight. Um, you know, and I don't stress about it for the most part. I put it together. I record on the weekend. It comes out. Uh, you know, it's the consistency every week. And do I know my numbers? Yeah, I look every few months. What are my what's my my listener rate? My downloads. But even when people tell me, I got this from somebody else. People say, I only have 50 or 100 or 200 downloads per week. That's a great number if you think about it. If you think of a room with 100 chairs and people listen to you for 15, 20, 30, or an hour, whatever your time frame is, every week they have, your, they have my attention, you know, they have my, whatever, I have their attention. That's pretty impactful. That's, the message is getting out some way. If you look at it that way, think just it's only 100 people. 100 people is a lot you know, um, to listen to you every week, week in, week out, on, on, on their choice. Exactly. So I mean, my, my numbers are the numbers. I don't look at the stats or my analytics. I, mean, I look at them, but I don't. I'm not concerned about them because I still love doing it. It has to be passion as well. It has to, you have to enjoy doing it and see the long play, the long, the, the, the potential of where you want to go with what you're trying to do. And uh, what about you, John? What what you know? Have you tried to utilize blogging to improve your um, exposure, or was was your experiences all? Well, I can I can tell you this, like blogging is pretty much like a hundred percent of my exposure and I can tell you that it works. Is that um, me? Huh? Disregard. <laughs> I actually um, slipped on to one of the places where we were live. We're on live a lot of different places. Oh, okay. 
you got me thinking about numbers. You know, I inter we interviewed somebody with 30,000 downloads a day yesterday, uh, and my site's going crazy. And so, kind of interesting. Right, totally. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, as far as, like, Google, they want to know that you're, um, you know, when they see you putting stuff out, like, over and over, um, they kind of start to associate you with those topics because, again, they understand the semantics, and but one thing that you could totally do, it is volume, but you have to know what you're talking about too. I, I see a lot of places they kind of do like we're going to post like once a week and maybe do like 300 words, maybe 500 words. But if you go in depth and if you look at like each article that you're going to do, if you look at like what's out there already and you make an article that's like, you know, 10, 20, 30% better or more in depth than like what's at the top, you will... Um, you have a really good shot of, of you know overtaking that article, but you um, you know again it's you just have to kind of keep writing because you don't know which ones are going to bring you traffic, but those get you links to overall to your site, and then Google cool. says aha these sites are linking to that person, this is what they're about these they probably um, you know uh, know what they're talking about and these other things. An example, the blogging, two years ago, um, I think I was getting about 1,000 visitors a month, Come and uh, this month, 10,000. So nice. that's two years. But you got wow. to commit to it. Got to do the work. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fantastic to hear. What about you, Kim? What's your experiences of blogging and that? I'm horrible with organic traffic on blogging. I'm and and my SEO person tells me it's because I name all my titles wrong. I do a lot of things wrong. Most of my audience I build actually offline. I build it when I go to word camps and speak and meet people like you, Jonathan. I build it when I go oh, on a blast. That was a mistake, wasn't it? No, it's wonderful. <laughs> After your infamous interview with WP Tonic when I was high on my drugs, my that was wild. And uh, I had. Two people I had invited in the chat room who had never been on a blab before, by the way. And I had convinced them, you have to come on blab. And they, <laughs> they handled it very well. Oh, thank uh, you. It was all good. But I have but, to admit that I'm not good with, uh, back in the, uh, way back in the day when you could easily do, you know, cheapy SEO I was. But now, really, my numbers are built from... Uh, people I meet more offline or meet through recommendations than through Google, and a lot of times they're not even people that follow my blog. My blog oh. following is very small compared to my customer following, oh, who yeah. actually buys what I have, etc. So I kind of I'm like almost the opposite. I think of some people. I need to follow more because I think I could build my audience more if I would pay attention and do. Uh, do things like you guys are doing to actually get better organic search. Right, thanks, Kim. So, Rebecca, um, so you know, you get the basics. You do your studying. What? How important um, do you think it is to get thought leaders in the industry to talk about your articles, to talk about your products, and get external links to your site from? 
people that are respected and that are seen as thought leaders in that sector. How important do you see that in the SEO landscape, Rebecca? I think it's critical, and I think it's not just um, the inbound links. It's the dimensions of your name or your company name or your URL. It's the shares and the social media. Uh, you know, the search engines are very uh, sophisticated now, so they're not just looking at those basic links. They're looking at a lot of different variables. You know, I mean, down to uh, how many people comment on something on Facebook. You know, do your competitors link into you? You know, there's so many there's so many different ways to build up that reputation and that authority, right? And and all of that matters. And you know, the 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 fun, interesting thing about social media, and Yost touched on this as well, is in his video um, that there's a lot of companies that fight social media and don't want to do it, right? And they don't believe in it. But it's not social media is important because it's not just that referral traffic. It does influence search, and it's going to continue to influence search because it is such a dominant part of the internet. So if you think that that's not going to be important, it is. And it's you know down to the point of you know X Y Z person on Twitter not only follows you, they reshare your your content, and they are highly influential within your industry. You know that matters. It matters both for just bringing in traffic, and it really matters also for SEO. I think it's going to continue to grow in the future as well. Now the wizard is uh, just a wizard. Yeah, quick, quick business question from the business side. I'm writing some other tweets right now, some other things. On SEO, what would you recommend? What by advice would you give to two different areas? I've got clients, real estate agents, and also small restaurants. What can they do on their website for SEO? What kind of tricks? And, and, here's, and here's, what do you think about email? Here's what I would say about the real estate agents, because the real estate agents and the lawyers are the bane of my existence when it comes to <laughs> SEO. And here's why. Because for years, those two industries, those people are aggressive, and they have done every black hat thing that they can do. And because they're small and micro-businesses, they've gotten away with it. So they think that they can continue to do that, and they can't. right? So they go off of, off of old practices from five years ago and they, they're starting to get busted for it. And then they're like, well, wait a minute. Where's all my traffic at? So here's my advice for the real estate agents. Stop doing black hat SEO. Go fully white hat and focus on quality as opposed to every trick you think that you can do and having seven websites interlinked. None of that works anymore. Focus on quality. I have seven interlinked. Is that bad? You have what? I have seven websites, or five actually core websites. Well, no, it's not bad as long as you don't try to interlink them and create a link farm, which is what they do. And particularly, like, lawyers are really bad at that, too. Um, you know, but for restaurants, focus on, on having a mobile-friendly website and, and mm -hmm. oh, yeah. optimize it for the local traffic. And it's not hard to optimize for local search, right? It's just mm -hmm. it's doing things like having your phone number on there with your area code and your address so the search engines can figure out where you're located. Have a Google Plus profile or whatever the heck it's called now because they keep changing the name. Google, my business. My business, thank oh, you. Oh, yeah, that's the name now, is it? My business. Yes, my, Google my I, just uh, Google something, is, isn't it? it? Yeah, well, if you log into Google Local now, right, it has, like, for Web Savvy, it has me, like, on six different links, and I can click, and they take me to six different presentations of the same profile. It's crazy, but it's vital for local businesses because if you don't take that step and don't do it, Right, it's you don't show up. But what I, what what com control center bunker is the address, Rebecca? Though. What do you mean? 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, see, we're not local, though. My, my market's not local because we uh, sell international. Right? I could tell you about local. Sorry, Rebecca, that was what you do about me? How many Google accounts can you have? Uh, you can have a ton, yeah, but there's no numbers. Have but, a ton I mean, it's good. Like, we have California real estate, we've got Nevada, and we've got a couple others Google accounts. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But, but it's necessary, right? though. If you really want to show up for a local search, you have to do that because you've got to give the search engines and the, the ability right. to figure out where you're located and what market you serve. All right, yeah. and if you're a restaurant or an appliance repair company or something like that, local is where you should put your effort. Maybe yeah. you don't care about Twitter because none of your possible clients have even heard of it, but you know the local search is, is, is something you're going to have to put your, your effort into. So uh, you know what the demographics are on Twitter now? They're, they're changing. I haven't I haven't checked recently. Uh, it's uh, you know so I I don't know how it's getting older. They're getting older. Uh, people in thirties, forties, fifties are starting how to it, do more. How it skews? I mean, every, better, better almost educated. everybody I know on Twitter is over forty anyway, because yeah. like most of the people I know in my life are over forty. Um, yeah, I like to um, like to ask Adam because obviously Adam, you're based in Los Angeles and it's a very populated, highly competitive. The environment. So, is SEO and the basic principles? Do a lot of your clients, your small to medium-sized clients, are they pretty SEO savvy, or are they still? It's pretty. Uh, you have to educate quite a bit, Adam. I I do a ton of education as best I can, and I also tell people I am not an SEO expert. They need that. I have uh, people I work with. I bring people in based on the need. Simple as that. You know, uh, my strength is not that because. I've gotten better with my own headlines, you know, my own uh, titles and my, my blog posts. Or when I was doing more photography work, I had a consistent syntax and a structure that would help for keywords, you know. But I'm not, um, it's not my forte. I don't pretend it to be. So you know, because I can't do it all. So are the, but, it, but it's important. Yeah, but I'll still a lot of the clients that you're speaking to. Are they? You really have to kind of educate them on the basics, or are they more? Yeah. You got to educate them on everything. The fact that they need a copywriter is, start, is, is a starting point. You know, just you business people, they hardly know anything about their own business. Never mind right. a, about the website. Yeah, a small business loan, and they may know how to. They know they know some stuff. They know more than they let on on their business, but to see the bigger picture, they need help across the board, and it, it depends on their value. What they value first, whether a website or what, what, what they want to attack. And sometimes right. I actually I mean, turn it down. They don't know why they want a website in most right. cases. You know? I've actually, I've what is your website down. supposed to do? We have to figure that out before we're going right. to decide what it's going to look like. And What's your call to action? Why do you want people to... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, John, is, is, that, is that a similar experience yourself that um, in Sacramento that still that most of the clients, they still need a lot of education around this subject? Yeah, um, there's still like a lot of need for education. Almost everybody does ask about SEO because they know that it's something they need. Um, and it, I mean, lately I've been working with like more businesses that are more like social savvy, and they understand that they need to be present on um, at least on you know the platforms that matter for their business. And, and get those shares. Um, I think when it comes to like ranking local businesses, you have to do a couple things. You know, get all the the structural stuff right, the technical on-page stuff. But you um, use something like Moz Local 
or uh, something like that to get all your name, address, phone number, yeah. citations, right? And get links from local, um, you know, sources. Yeah. That, that's what I would recommend. Yeah, I'll just put it to Rebecca. You know, we're kind of 20 years into the internet. It's like 2015. Are you still... Are you a little bit surprised by the lack of education that a lot of businesses don't have about the importance of SEO and getting traffic to their site? Or what? if you're not, what? why do you think the situation is still the way it is, Rebecca? Because it's a moving target. So I've been doing this since... I've been doing SEO and web design for 15 years, I think. I, you know, I was one of the really early adopters of blogging. And I struggle to keep up with everything. Now put yourself in a small business's position where you're running a business and the internet is not part of your life and you know, you're, you're struggling just to, to execute your daily activities from your operations and keep your customers happy. The idea of understanding SEO and this moving target out there that's always changing, right? I mean, Google changes their algorithm every single day, right? So, so the idea of keeping up with it is very, very difficult for them. And now try to allocate that to, you know, try to off, off, you know, push that off to an SEO consultant. Finding a quality SEO consultant that truly knows what they're doing that you can afford is also difficult for them. So it's, it's I mean, they're, they're challenged be, and, and they're challenged for good reason. Oh, right. It's not, well, it's not an expense, it's an investment. It is an investment, but it's really hard to find somebody who's of right. quality that you that really knows what they're doing because, because right. SEO is like WordPress. It's a low barrier of entry. Anybody can throw up a shield in a website and say they're an expert and they don't know what they're doing, right? So, and a, and a small business can't tell that from somebody who really does know what they're doing because they don't know the right questions to ask. And my heart breaks for those kind of people because I see it every day where they've wasted money with a, a, with a consultant. And, like, I'll ask them, what did that consultant do for you? What kind of tasks were they performing? They're like, well, I don't know. I just kept giving them money every month. Mm -hmm. you, know, yeah, I mean, you know, if someone's smart in business, they're going to have some money to invest. They're going to go find an advisor to help them put the team together. An mm -hmm. advisor is going to have a lot of different people they know who knows what they're doing in the different fields, whether it's SEO. Kind of like a concierge. <laughs> But basically most things are contracted out. You need someone with the expertise to find the team. Right. Most or even businesses don't. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, I think I think we've covered the SEO, so I'd like to go on. Um, we didn't discuss Google Analytics that much, but um, I think just discussing the SEO hopefully gave um, some good information. But I'd love to go on to Sal Reed's um, presentation at the great um, Los Angeles WordCamp and her bursting at the themes presentation, which um, in the, the true, in her true spirit of w, um, WP Water Cooler was quite entertaining. And she said uh, quite a few things about themes. Um, Sally, um, would you like to start off with um, and point out some of the things that um, Sal, Sal Reed kind of said, and did you agree with what she said at her presentation? I definitely agree with what, what she said in her presentation, except where she dissed Genesis. Um, <laughs> she, she, she was wrong. Genesis has moved everything into the customizer, so you can manage all those Genesis options in, in the customizer. And, and this was kind of the thing that really came clear to me. I mean, her, her talk was aimed 
pretty much at, at beginners, at bloggers, at people who are not developers. Those are the people she works with. Um, and she talked about, you know, what makes a, a good theme and why. And, um, you know, and, and she really, uh, you know, made it clear to me why this move to put everything in the customizer is actually a good thing and valuable because it provides a consistent experience for people across themes. And a lot of people who are the sort of DIY blogger types are going to change themes a number of times and they don't want to be confused about, so where do I do the header for this one and where do I do that? So if it's all in the customizer and they know it's going to be in the customizer, then they know that's where to go and it's just a better user experience. Um, plus, it does give them the chance to, you know, not have to go 12 places to work on the stuff that shows up externally on one page. All right. Um, thanks. What about, um, what about you, Rebecca? What did, what did you think of Sari's reads, being that you run a commercial theme mm -hmm. um, shop? So what did you um, get from her presentation? I love Say. I mean, I love spending time with Say in person, and I love listening to her because she is such an advocate for small business. And she makes, you know, as a as a premium theme developer, she makes you look at the world through the eyes of her customers and who she works with, which is wonderful. And she reinforces the fact that, you know, create a simplistic solution for them and make it easy for them to change out their themes in the future. I loved when she was talking about. Um, you know, how do you decide what goes into a theme versus a plugin? And if that functionality needs to live past the, the visual of your theme, then it needs to be outside of the theme. And I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of that. Um, you know, there were so many things that she did say that, that were great, although I will admit that I absolutely positively hate the customizer. Hate it, hate um, it, hate it, hate it. I hate, I hate it. it as well, Rebecca. Why do you guys hate it? Because it's too slow? It's just, it's... I've been using WordPress since 2008, and I'm used to options, and I'm used to the appearance, you know, the widgets and stuff, and, and any time I hit that button by mistake and it goes into the customer, I'm like, oh, I didn't want to be here. You know, I just... Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad they separated those menus so that you know that you have a place where you can go directly to the widgets or directly yeah. to the menus, because, yeah, I, I would rather work in them there, too. I mean, you know, I have always found the, the customizer just kind of a pain, but I, I can see why... You know, if you haven't been working with WordPress since, since you know the early 2000s, then you might actually find it a valuable tool. No, you don't. Oh, I'm sorry, Lee. Go on, go on, Adam. What was you going to say? No, no, I didn't. No, I When you teach the boot camps to folks, do they lean towards learning the customizer first or learning the back panel? So I so to preface that with. This boot camp I'm going to teach is the first boot camp style, but my five-week class that I teach for the past three years, I barely show customizer. I'm just old school in the sense that it's yeah. what I'm comfortable in. That's what I show, A. Yeah. B, there are some things that are easier now with customizer. For example, the site icon. Brilliant. Yeah. But that's yeah, about it. I like the size, too. You can get more definition on the 16. Right. Other, other than that, I kind of stay away from I, I don't. My, my students take my lead. They, they trust me. And for right now, I just steer them to what I like and how my methodology, my best practices. What about, the, what, best practices? What about the menu um, system? Do you oh, I, I just went over that last night. Many systems brilliant. The new many systems. I, the fact that they still have uh, page order in the page layout kills me. Like, why is that still there? Right. But other than that, yeah. So. 
but I did menus. Yes, menus are great for rearranging. Do you, do you think it's because you've learnt the old system? I, I was kind of debating that with Morton. Do you think because you've learnt the old system, and or I think it's something deeper. I think there's something still a bit clunky about the you know. Or is it? There's multiple ways to do similar things. You know, you could add a page or a post from the left or the top. What do we all do? I go left because that's where I'm used to. You know, um, it's just it's just it's just what you learn when you learn it and what sticks with you. Yeah. What do you think, Rebecca? Do you think it's just because you've learned to do a certain way, or but I think it's a little bit deeper than that. What do you think, Rebecca? I think that those of us who are old school are going to be hard to change, right? Yep. Um, and I think that different people, different people like different types of techniques. I mean, it's like when people read a page, some people read the bullets, some people read the paragraphs, some people always navigate to the videos and the images. I, I think some diversity is good because it allows you to, to um, work with different types of personality types. I did disagree with Say when she said that everything has to be really simplistic and you have to keep it simplistic because I think that you limit WordPress with that. Yeah. Um, it would be nice to be able to have some options to be able to have the basic WordPress and then click a button and have it expand out WordPress, right, for the people that really want a lot of functionality and the full CMS and, you know, the, the, the beef there. I think that would be nice because then you could tailor to or you could you could really work and serve like those restaurants that just really need it very simplistic versus the people like us who want it more. And I've got... You know, we sell our themes to like lawyers and accountants, and some of those people really dig in. I mean, like yeah. they want to go and as you know, change CSS, and once they yeah, do, you wonder, in, you wonder why. But you wonder why they want to do that, but they do, don't they? It's their personality. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's we 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 all have to, we're human. You know, we're very unique, and and you can't take away all of that uniqueness. You'd be and surprised, Rebecca. You'd be surprised, Rebecca. Quite a few people have said that to me. That you're unique. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> right, um, John. Uh, what What do you? What's your feeling about you know, about what Sal said and about you know the new option area and blah blah blah. Well, definitely. Um, uh, one thing that Say uh, said in her talk that I really focused in on is we're in an interesting time when it comes to themes mm -hmm. because. It's either really simplistic or it's like really overblown, and a lot of you know people who are doing it themselves, they want to learn WordPress, and to them, um, you know, they, they could pick one theme that's like really simple where they have to set everything up, and and find the right plugins to make things happen the way they want them to, or they can go buy a theme with 87 sliders and uh, 17 like options panels and it's it's really I think like overwhelming so I think that we are in interesting times when it comes to that and the customizer I think maybe is a way to like kind of move things toward a more consistent experience not just like keeping the data consistent for the future but you know it's a way to kind of um, steer theme authors into making themes more consistent. Yeah, but John, don't you think it's a little bit schizophrenic? You know, you got you got the movement to the customizer, and then you got then you got this talk of the new API um, system, and then we're going to have all these kind of custom backend 
all done in JavaScript and um, there's all that talk. So it seems a bit kind of schizophrenic at the present moment about, you know, what, what, what's your thoughts about that statement, John? Well, I, you know, as far as that, I think that there will continue to be um, a lot of themes that don't necessarily have to ut utilize, like, the, the REST API um, to its full extent. I think it's, like, nice having it there, um, and I think it's going to enable the platform of WordPress to continue to grow, um, you know, and I think a lot more people will use it, uh, you know, as an app platform, but I don't think necessarily that it's going to affect, like, every theme on the market, so... All right. So, what, Kim, what's what's your feeling about the customizer and the themes in general when you're consulting for these learning uh, systems? Kind of the same as the others. I, I there's certain things I like about it, but then there's certain things that I find sometimes are limiting. Limiting, and then your other companies still have to have that other option underneath. You know, where you go into the menu, they have another e-panel option because they just can't fit everything into the customizer. And I wasn't there in in WordCamp LA. I was at a different conference that weekend, so I didn't I don't know what was said. But that is just my initial for the customizer. There's certain things that yeah, it's nice to just be able to point people there, but if you're not a theme that's just super, super basic like one of the default themes, then sometimes I just don't think it gives them enough options. Yeah, thanks Kim. Right, Rebecca, you know, kind of I've utilised some of your themes, and you know, your your first of all, what led to you? Was it a mixture of business opportunity, and you're just attracted to the Genesis framework? Was that was it you, you, a kind of road that you gradually went down? Um, so I'm just trying to, you know, what, what did you did you just like the things that Studio Press was doing, and you saw business opportunity, and you liked the framework? Is that why you based your? So the first theme that I ever worked with was a Studio Press theme. I used a Studio Press theme, and then I used one of iThemes um, themes, and I don't remember what it was called. Uh, and I really liked the Studio Press theme. And when they came out with Genesis, when it was just a theme. Right? They, I, I baited it. I was a beta user, and I tried it, and I was like, oh, this is okay. But then when they came out with the framework, you know, I was already a Genesis user, and I was like, okay, I'm going to try this, and I really liked it. And the one thing that it, it produced for our team is it gave us all of a box to work in. It set best practices. So as opposed to having, like, you know, because we have multiple coders, and I can't code myself, right? So I can read code, and I can understand code, but it, I can't audit code for a code quality. And the Genesis framework gave us that box to work within, and they set best practices. Now my team's been with us, you know, for, for five years or so. So everybody does, you know, those best practices. Yeah. But it, it gave us that foundation. Now that I've been using it for so long, I'm used to things. If I have to go into a normal WordPress thing, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, where's my columns? Where's my author box? You know what I mean? All those things that I'm used to with Genesis you know, I'm used to having them there, then I struggle with regular WordPress. I think regular WordPress is wonderful. I think Genesis is a good framework. Um, I, I don't think that there's only one framework or there's only, you know, one route to go. That's the beautiful thing about WordPress and the beautiful thing about having this large community that we have is that there can be many ways to achieve the same goal. And, you know, through that collaboration, you see the best come out and different views, and I think it just makes us stronger. Yeah, what's your position? I did agree with Sal uh, around short codes because 
Um, they have oh. their pl- they have their place. But um, about a year ago, I, I got sucked into a project, and they bought this theme. And I won't name the theme shop. It's a respective theme shop, but it was a restaurant theme. And I've never seen a theme like it. It was t- the home page. Some of the la- it was totally dominated by short codes, and it was just a dog's dinner of a theme. Rebecca, <laughs> we don't use a, short codes. We try so to what, avoid what's, them. What, what's your? What's, is there a balance, or do you, do you just try and avoid them like the plague? We try to avoid them like the plague. So if we have a client that we're doing custom design with who's using short codes, and they've got this really long, large website, right, in which we have one where we're gonna change the design but allow them to keep the short codes because they don't want to have to go change, that's fine. But from a theme perspective, like selling a stock, a premium theme, we're not going to use them. I would much rather create like call-to-action widgets so people can easily drop stuff in and then have that created for them because they don't have the opportunity to break stuff. Like Say said, you know, if you don't know code and you're trying to manipulate a short code, you can make one little mistake and then everything breaks and then you've just got a bunch of code sitting shown on your website. Where if you create a widget for them, you know, like Widgetize homepage, it's much easier for a novice to use that and drop in their URL and drop in the text they want because it's easy for them. And we try to do that with our themes, you know, that we build so people don't get tripped up on their short codes and then don't have all these legacy short codes sitting out on pages that they don't even know exist. Well, what's your feeling about this, Adam? I love sh- when I like I get a lot of repair work. I get a lot of calls. I've said this before. People call me because other developers disappear, whatever it is. And I open up the site, and I see short codes. I, I see what looked like content that has a short code bracket because the client has changed the theme. And they didn't realize it, that everything was tied in that way. <laughs> and I love that because it's not my mistake. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, yeah. I'm like, you know, sorry, um, you know, we can go back to the theme that you had, and things will come back to where they want. Or you can, we, we can redesign your site. You know, we can do some discovery and figure what you want to change and why. It's been three years. And that's usually what happens. We, we do both. We go back temporarily, or we put up a coming soon page uh, if they're willing to take it down. Uh, and then we redesign. We go, we go from there. So oh. But, yeah, the broken short codes, it's, it's an easy way. It's easy. It's, I didn't do it. <laughs> so... All right. What about you, Sally? What's your what's your feelings about? This? I think we really need a short codes UI. I mean, the the one thing I really like the display post short code plugin. It, it's just awfully handy, and it lets it it, and it lets you do things. Uh, but you know, the thing is, if the if you're looking at it from the the perspective of the client editing and changing the page, it's tough for them. They don't understand. I mean, you know, they mm-hmm. use display post short codes on WordPress.com. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy for the clients to 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 figure out. It, it's sort of puzzling. So, you know, I mean, now, when you enter a gallery in WordPress, you click the media button and you say add gallery and so on and so forth, and then it even shows you a, a, a preview. But what's behind that is a short code. And I think if you're going to have short codes, you have to let people interact with them in a way where they don't even realize that what they're dealing with is a short code. Mm. Um, Rebecca, um, obviously, um, some of the most popular themes on Theme Forest are some of the most. Um, I'm trying to find egregious. The, the word is egregious. Come on. Uh, yeah. I'm just struggling. For the, I'm just struggling for the fairest words, Rebecca. Um, rather heavy in feature set. Yeah. Um, where you your shop, um, you aim specific themes at specific industries. Um, 
why go inside why people but some of these very um heavy based themes are still some of the most popular in theme forest can you insights why that is because people like options right they want to control their destiny and they, they want to have all those options and I, I think it's sucked in right you I mean, think about this if you go in and you're looking at a sales page and theme forest and you see you can create this home page with 20 different types of you know presentations you're like oh that's it. it's everything I need I don't need a designer I don't need a coder it's everything I need they purchase it and then they realize that they have to configure all this and it's way more than they think they're getting themselves into right and say reference that in her presentation so my question is and I wish we had the numbers of those theme forest themes that people have bought and downloaded how many are really getting used I mean I know that there's, there's yeah there's there's stats out there, but I can guarantee you that the percentage of people actually using those big bloated themes that they downloaded are not the same. And we replace those themes left and right because of the bloat factor and the overwhelming factor that they have. And I mean, it's just, it is, it, it's a disservice to our, our industry and it's a disservice to small businesses because they get sucked in. Although yeah. I know people make more money on that, I'm not going to you know, chastise from that, that's that's their business, their process. Hey, Jonathan, as you talk about themes, just transition the last eight to ten minutes about optimization speed of those websites, because it's a really good way to transition, because mm -hmm. you load a theme, and that's, you're, you're dead in the water. So, what what are some of the best practices out there in optimization and, and speed of your website? We just yeah, went through a month, though. Why don't we wrap up with that? Yeah, so I'll start with John with that. So, what's, what's your experience when you're dealing... Because you do a lot of custom work, John, but you know your smaller con, you might be doing with Semi, where they've got existing theme. How do you deal with the subject and the speed question? They have an existing theme. Well, you know, first thing with speed, you got to have good hosting. If you have subpar hosting, you're not going to have a fast site. That's bottom line. Um, so that's the first thing to do. Um, now, if we're keeping an existing theme, then we figure out like how we can optimize that. You know, pushing JavaScript uh, to the footer, uh, seeing what we can do with um, setting uh, ex expiry tags, uh, making sure everything's uh, gzipped, making sure we're using caching. Um, but if we're building a brand new site, you know, then we have the option of selecting a theme that's not bloated. And, uh, you know, making sure that we steer them either toward a custom site, uh, the custom built like WordPress theme, or, um, you know, choosing something that's not from ThemeForest. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that was helpful. There you go. Yeah. What Rebecca said, though, is struck a nerve, though, because a lot of people, they want, they think that building a website is something they should be able to do themselves. That's why they go to ThemeForest. And, you know, uh, business owners, as well as many agencies, they don't know that there's options besides theme forests. Mm -hmm. right. so. What's your What's your experience of you know What's your perspective, uh, Adam, about this? You know, well, surprisingly enough, just this earlier this week, I had a podcast come out and it was talking about this. So two episodes ago, I talked about ways to improve hosting's one of them, better themes, and then um, this past week, I talked to Dave Penzel from MaxCDN. So with doing all those things, adding caching, adding all these little features, and having a good post, the next step would be getting the CDN. You know, yeah. that would be you know, it's, it's it's a combination of all that depends on your needs, but that's going to help a huge amount. In, in so what CDN uh, did you use? 
Well, I, I haven't, but I mean, he's with he's the co-founder of Max CDM. So, okay. um, so obviously that's what uh, you talked about. Uh, we did, yeah, we did. Not, We actually talked about like, Akamai as well, but Akamai is a different, you know, different piece altogether. But um, we talked about Max CDM. Yeah. So Rebecca, you know, uh, the other thing I would ask, obviously on your um, support, your support forum is closed. You know, you ha you have to buy a theme to be able to log into the support forum and, and um, obviously I've worked with some of your themes and, and your support team are, are excellent and it, I mean, you do, that's another factor that people um, should think about, shouldn't they, mm -hmm. Rebecca, you know, what kind of ongoing support and the quality support, but um, was that a difficult decision that you were going to keep the forum? You had to buy a, a theme to have access to information about your themes. Was the, that? Did you have to really consider that, or no? You... The reason we do it is because it's a digital product. People download it. They put all of the themes up on Black Hat for, or forums, right? And they're giving them away. It's a way to protect your revenue yeah. by blocking people who don't have a purchase, you know, a license or a user ID. They can't get access to the instructions and they can't get access to the support. And that's why we do it. And, you know, I've had people complain. It's like, I'm sorry, but the reason you're complaining is because you didn't buy the theme. Yeah. Buy the theme, you get the access, right? I don't do this for free. I do it because... Yes, I love it, but I also do it so I can feed my children. And, you know, that protects our revenue. It's all about you. It is all about me. <laughs> um, I thought I would just ask you that, because I just thought, you know, was it, was it a difficult decision, or was you, you know, with, with the amount of, um, was you kind of driven to that decision or did you always know that was We always started we started out the gate that way and it was I don't know why I needed to protect it but I did and I'm glad I did because that protects our revenue. Yeah, that's great. So um do you also think, you know, it's, it's probably a difficult one but probably most of your kind of um target audience they probably don't think this, but support should be a real big consideration. Huge. Yeah, it's, it's both with themes and with hosting. You know, you're buying two things. When you go to buy hosting and you go to buy a theme, you're buying the product and you're buying the support, and they both better be good because if they're not, you've got a problem. You can't have one without the other. They're both critical to success. So what's your – what about you, Sally? What? How do you – how do you kind of approach this with clients that you're consulting about? You know, they should really consider the kind of support issues and the quality issues. How do you kind of approach that conversation, Sally? Um, you know, when I recommend hosting to people, part of it is because I have some experience that, that the hosting company provides good support. I, I don't resell hosting because I'm not a server expert. I don't want to provide hosting support <laughs> to anybody. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's going to be important. If, you know, if they're having a problem, can they can they contact these people and get a quick response if, you know, their website is down, if, if whatever. Um, I, so that's an important thing. And I, you know, and I try to talk to people about the fact that WordPress requires maintenance. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And uh, you know, there are now dozens of, of companies that provide maintenance services for less than I would charge for them. Because uh, you know, I have only so many billable hours in a day, and I don't really want to spend them all pushing the update button. Um, and I do. It's you know it's it, it's it's difficult to, it's difficult enough doing that for my own sites which which I all have on iTheme Sync now, um, but uh, you know and I've I've started putting in my contracts like you know okay you get this long to make sure the site is working you know and in this period I will f fix things that you know with with without additional charges and and if you haven't checked it out by you know the time three months or whatever has passed mm -hmm. too bad. You know, you're going to have to pay me for for additional work. Um. Oh, right. Hey, Adam. Um, obviously, you're in, you you run your own maintenance company, and um, I I do as well. But um, but I I feel like you know that there is you know this your hosting company will do so much for you, but then there's a certain where you can't expect them to do it. Um, I expect so, the hosting company to do none of it. And I tell my clients that. I mean, they say they back up, and they do. But are they going to restore? It depends on their company. But I'd say 9 out of 10 companies, on, especially on the lower-tier shared yeah. hosting, don't. Yeah. Um, the higher-tier ones will always want you. your own off-site backups. Yeah, always. you want your own off-site. So, so I tell my clients, you know, they come to me, I work on the site, and then ideally I migrate them, or in the in this original scope of project, I'll have maintenance as a separate line item that's my other company. And I explained to them, it's my company, and that's what I do over there. Yeah. This is design and development, that's my maintenance, it's totally separate. You know, I can package it together. Um, it's that simple. No. Yeah, because uh, I, I think, I don't know if you agree, Adam, I think a lot of clients, they, they think the hosting company will sort out a kind of PHP problem, yeah. or a short tag, or or something to do, and um, that's not their job, is it? Their job is to provide not, consistent not hosting. Managed, not unless it's really specifically managed hosting, that they're going to be very specific on that. You're going to pay for that. You're going to pay somebody. And that's not what, you know, if, if your business is being a lawyer, then why would you want to even have to worry about that? So you know, They're charging 354 bucks an hour per day, you know, so hire someone who does that, who wants to do that, who enjoys doing it. You know, I'm, uh, whether it's you, whether it's me, there's, like I said, there's a dozen companies doing it now. Um, that people who specialize in what they specialize in do that and manage them. Make sure yeah. the panel, we need to wrap up the formal show, but we can stay on and talk afterward. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, Re uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the show. Your insights have been fantastic. And thank you, uh, my regular panel, Adam, um, Sally, um, John, and our, our, um, our guest, Kim. Um, I think we've covered some interesting subjects and I, I think we've given some good insights and value to our audience and thank you all for coming on the show. See everybody next month. Thank you. See you next See month. You.